Welcome to the Deerfield Family Theater Podcast. In this episode, I had the privilege and honor to speak with Larry Mason, a fellow member of the DFT board and fellow attorney. Larry has a rich history of experience with DFT and regales us with some of his stories. Speaking of Deerfield Family Theater, in case you're tuning in and didn't already know, DFT is putting on a performance of Big Fish this November of 2022. See the show notes for more information and visit DeerfieldFamilyTheater.com. It was a great conversation, and without further delay, here's the interview. Larry Mason, welcome to the DFT podcast. How about you you say hello and introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, Matt, I'm I'm delighted to be with you today and all of our listeners. I've been very excited to finally join this podcast experience with you. Uh, and for those those of you who haven't heard my voice before, and we can keep it distinct from Matt, I'm Larry Mason. Uh, well, uh, we're, we're happy to have you here, and we're happy to have you on the board for Deerfield Family Theater. Uh, but you're not just a, a board member for D, a new board member for DFT. You've been doing this thing for a long time, haven't you? I have. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have been part of the Deerfield Family Theater family, which it truly is family. I'd like to say Deerfield Family Theater puts the family in theater uh, for a really long time, even before I was on that stage. Uh, our, we have my wife, Susie, and I, uh, who, of course, some of you may know, Susie is the current president of the DFT board. Uh, have three amazing children who have all been performers in Deerfield Family Theater. And it really all started, our connection to Deerfield Family Theater began with the production of Oklahoma, which I can't even put a year on. I don't even remember how long ago that was, other than Samantha was probably fourth grade, was her first opportunity to perform in a Deerfield Family, Deerfield Family Theater show. So that was undoubtedly our first experience with this, this amazing company and how important it is to the community and what it offers young people and families from all levels. But then uh, even even beyond the theater community in Deerfield, you're involved, uh, or even beyond Deerfield Family Theater itself, you, you've been involved with the arts and you're on other boards. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience? Oh, sure. So we can certainly get back to my DFT specific experience, but I have, I'd say that DFT uh, and actually its sister theater company, Theater D, uh, reignited my personal performance passion that had been somewhat dormant from high school through college, law school, and then I'd say early married life. Uh, until it just surprisingly uh, got resurrected. Uh, and then it just took off from there. And I became involved in performing in theaters all across the North Shore in particular. I've done uh, productions, you know, in certainly in Deerfield, uh, Glenview, uh, Buffalo Grove, other companies in the area uh, up as far as 
Lake Forest, certainly, and some other places around uh, Chicagoland. And what has certainly evolved for our family is it's an enormous part of our social life. You know, at first it was an experience to try to connect with our children, and, and then it turned into something that it's a way for my wife and I to connect with our social network. Uh, then it, it got even more expansive for me because, uh, sadly, one of the theater companies that we really uh, enjoyed working with, Glenview Theater Guild, disbanded uh, several years ago, uh, well, not that long ago. And when it did, there was really a void uh, for shows that would perform in the summers in this area. And together with uh, also a Deerfield Family Theater regular, uh, Jamie Davidson, uh, we co-founded uh, Uptown Music Theater of Highland Park, uh, which in no way is meant to compete with Deerfield Family Theater or frankly any other theater. But it was just to fill a spot in the season where uh, it's important to have theater opportunities for families uh, and perform adults uh, individually, and certainly in the summer months. And Glenview typically had productions in July, and that was our goal, to fill that void. So I was very proud of the fact that we were able to get that off the ground. The challenge was, of course, <laughs> we were just getting started, and then the COVID pandemic hit. And so we had to do other things during that period of time to remain relevant. We were fortunate to produce our first actual show by doing an outdoor theater experience for young audiences last year, which was certainly COVID safe. And we'll be, and we're now, I'm producing now uh, Susical the Musical, which is actually a, a show that Deerfield Family Theater did many years ago uh, that will be, uh, that's currently in rehearsal. Wow, there's uh, there's so much to unpack there, and and we will, uh, we will. But before uh, we we talk about the specifics of what you just you know went into, I I heard that you said performing. Uh, you got you theater D got you interested in performing again, and so uh, mm -hmm. as as much as we're on this board together, this is also and this is for the mm -hmm. podcast, Larry. This is me just getting to know you too. So uh, so you know perform again. Were you you know did you perform mm -hmm. in your youth? Uh, were you in, you know, did you do things in high school and college? Like what was your performing uh, experience back in the day? Yeah. So, uh, a, a, yes, I was performing, uh, young, uh, all through, you know, elementary school on every type of opportunity that I had available to me, uh, mostly through the schools. Uh, then I think the biggest mark I made, uh, was eighth grade uh, at, uh, Shepherd, uh, which is now a middle school back in our day in Deerfield, when my wife Susie and I went to Shepherd, uh, it was a junior high then, uh, here in Deerfield. Uh, I, the show was called the electric sunshine man. And I was fortunate to have been cast as the lead of the show. I was Thomas Edison. Uh, what's surreal about that is of course, Susie and I didn't know back then at age 12, 11, 12, we, we, we would get married. But we have photographs of that show from the perspective of her 
parents taking pictures of Susie and the ensemble and my parents taking pictures of me as the, as the lead of that show, uh, uh, you know, very different uh, viewpoints of the exact same show, the junior high musical that year. Then, of course, I went on to Deerfield High School, uh, where I was in some remarkably advanced shows for high school. Uh, my freshman year, I did, I, I was Elijah Day Whitney in Anything Goes, playing opposite uh, the Billy of that show is the multi-Tony Award winner, Kevin McCollum, uh, who, you know, uh, everyone, I'm sure many of your listeners know, Kevin McCollum is one of the most important producers on Broadway, uh, who, uh, of course, became perhaps best known for his first Tony was producing one of the co-producers of Rent. Uh, he's won a Tony for Avenue Q. He won a Tony for uh, uh, In the Heights. Uh, his fourth Tony, uh, I'm going to, uh, you're going to have to have to test me here, Matt. I know have, I'm not looking at Google, but uh, I'm going to embarrass that I'm going to miss this and get it wrong. Uh, he's also, you know, one of the executive producers of, of West Side Story, the movie that uh, has just been released with Spielberg. That's so wonderfully brilliant. Uh, if Hamilton had not been released at the same time, I'm certain he would have won another Tony for something rotten. I think something rotten would have taken best musical that year had Hamilton not be running, been running against it. Uh, yeah. Something rotten is uh, phenomenal. And of course, an homage to, to, you know, musical theater in general but but so i had the opportunity who knew i mean really famous people were in at deerfield high school at that time and, and many have of course been through those halls ever since and even before sophomore year at deerfield high school i was in a, a production of pippin and who was the leading player kevin mccollum now, Kevin McCollum graduated. He went to Cincinnati Conservatory of Music and then was a performer for a bit, but then he decided to make his mark as a producer. Uh, fascinating tale. Uh, and another little story, there's some connection that actually goes to the origins pre-Deerfield Family Theater, where it was Children's Theater Deerfield. Kevin's related to the very famous Marcy Heisler, who's also famous in the Broadway scene and is tremendous uh, uh, talent uh, in, in her music and her writing uh, for shows, uh, including Dear Edwina. Uh, so <laughs> fascinating uh, uh, family uh, and very, very important uh, to theater uh, for us. Uh, junior year, what was junior year? Well, it doesn't matter. It was all exciting. I hadn't done a show since uh, the end of high school. Took that big break. So here's the fun story that maybe your listeners will just find uh, unique. Uh, so here we had made these connections through Deerfield Family Theater through our children, in particular our eldest daughter, Samantha. Uh, and one day... Uh, my wife, Susie, was taking one of our children to the Deerfield Park District for a birthday party for one of our daughter's friends. 
And she happened to run into Donna Price, who was the producer, Theater D's producer at the time. And she called me on the phone and she said, this was a Sunday afternoon. She said, hey, Larry, uh, you know, Donna's over here. She's doing callbacks for uh, the Theater D show that's coming up. And um, she said she needed some help with people to raid some lines for, for the ladies that they have for these callbacks this afternoon. Could you come over and help her? And I said, wait, I'm here. I'm in my sweats. I'm watching the Bears game. <laughs> I said, I, I don't really want to. She said, come on, Donna, such a good friend. You know, why don't you just go over? And come, can't you just run over and help Donna? She said she needed some help. So I I, so yes, she was a, a good friend, and sadly, we've lost our, our beloved Donna, and and more recently. So, I went over to uh, the Deerfield Park District Jewett uh, to to go see Donna, and they I there was Donna and Debbie Goldman, who was directing that show, and they handed me a script, and they said, "Here, just read this stuff," and there were these various women that were there for callbacks for various roles. And they had me read these lines and so on. And, and that was, the, you know, the end of the callback thing. And I went home later that, uh, in early evening time, I get a phone call. It's Donna and Debbie on a speakerphone. And so, and, and I just started talking. I said, Oh, I hope I didn't cause you any disruption of your process seems like it's going to be a really funny show uh and and so you know i hope i was able to help you out and then donna interrupts me and she says larry would you just stop talking i said why what what's wrong she's like you have no idea what, what it was like what it was like she said just be quiet so i i, I stopped talking she said you have no idea how perfect you are for the role of Howard the Weatherman in Moon Over Buffalo, <laughs> which is a Ken Ludwig comedy. And I said, what? She said, yes, we're serious. You're phenomenal for this. You're like perfect for this role. And I said, I haven't been on stage since high school. She said, it doesn't matter. We want to offer you the role of Howard the Weatherman You've got to, will you accept the part? And, and so that's how it started again, was I started doing Howard the Weatherman and Moon Over Buffalo. So I got through that show. I got my feet wet again. And then uh, the next thing I did was I auditioned for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat at, for Deerfield Family Theater, and I got cast as Potiphar. And also as one of the brothers, Gad, uh, uh, in particular, and the rest is history. And I was off to the races. And then I've done, gosh, DFT shows, uh, six or seven DFT shows. If you count, I did a, we did actually a fundraiser, which was a murder mystery theater. Many people don't remember this. It was called Murder Mystery Mayhem. And uh, we did it at the old Tracks restaurant that's no longer in existence. And I played Dr. Willie in Murder Mystery Mayhem. So uh, it wasn't really a musical 
uh, for DFT, but it was for DFT, which was a lot of fun. Uh, well, but that I, sounds uh, like a lot of fun to me. And while I'm not, uh, I, I'm not chomping at the bit to get back out there on stage anytime soon with a with an 18 month old at home. Um, I, I that's that's something where I'd say sign me up because <laughs> that sounds like a mm-hmm. lot of fun for both sides of uh, the audience and the performers. Uh, you know, gosh, there's so much there. And, and uh, I mean, how many years do you think it was since high school before you, you started acting again? Uh, wow. Ballpark. This isn't a test. <laughs> 20, I don't know, for 20-ish years? Yeah, so, so at a least lot, 25, of, maybe 25 years. Yeah. Maybe. Was it like riding a bike, getting back up there? Uh. Maybe. Oh, well, no, not, I would certainly not. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I'm, I'm certainly not as good. I don't think I was ever a great dancer, but it was not as good of a dancer. And, and coming, the, the hard thing was, and it certainly kicked my, my behind was the first musical I was coming back on stage for, which was Joseph and being one of the brothers. Now, interestingly, I have subsequently been in, two other productions of Joseph since that DFT Joseph. So I've, I've actually, and I've never been recast as, as a brother uh, uh, now because I'm now aging out as a brother, but I, I was, it's too dancey. I just don't have the dancing skills to be a brother in a Joseph, but I've been in three Josephs now <laughs> one of which was that DFT, but I've been Potiphar in all three of those, and but I've done them differently, uh, which has been extra fun. Is is being in the same show and rediscovering a character under different direction uh, and exploring something new each time. So I think what's extra fun and Deerfield Family Theater has really been the place for this for me is as nice and wonderful and it has been truly to to be on stage with my wife which has didn't come until we had a rule we couldn't do the same show at the same time because we were worried about our youngest being you know someone had to sort of be home mm-hmm. so my wife would be on we would take turns she could do a show and i could do a show and we did that for years and years and years and years until our youngest got to, you know, old enough that it didn't matter if she was home and when during all those rehearsals and performances. So we finally, finally got to do our first show together a few years ago. And that was just a thrill for us. And, and we've done that a few times ever since. Well, I still think, though, and this is where Deerfield Family Theater comes in for for me in particular, extra special experiences and memories I have that are just indelible for me that I will never forget is being on the same stage with my children. Uh, And I think about things like being an Oliver in the Oompapa scene, which is, you know, for those of you who know Oliver, you know, is kind of this drunken bar sort of scene, you know, with my daughter, Sarah, in particular, in that scene. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm like clinking 
glass, you know, mugs of, of pretend beer with my, you know, high school daughter at the time, you know, uh, you know, it's just silliness and, and just joy, pure joy of, of connection and the fun of theater. And, and, you know, it's ultimately a team sport, but if you can have players on the team that you're related to, it's extra fun. Yeah. And, and in, in how many extracurricular activities can that even be done? Right. Um, maybe when you get to a certain age, uh, like adult softball leagues, you can maybe like, you know, parents and their kids could be on the same co-ed adult softball league. But other than adult softball and theater, it's hard to imagine other sports and other extracurriculars like that. Right. Uh, right. And, you know, and I the the other thing, though, that I think is very important. I mean, we're. I think the goal, especially for Deerfield Family Theater uh, other theater companies that I'm involved with where young people are involved. They, it's important to realize that, you know, not every young person or adult certainly is, is a professional or going to aspire to be a professional, but for young people, the skills, the life lessons they learn by being involved in a theatrical production is is a, a significantly important formidable and foundational experience for them. They learn self-confidence, feeling comfortable in their own skin. Uh, they learn a great deal about interpersonal relationships. They learn about getting along with others. They do learn a lot about teamwork. They learn about preparation and a whole host of other very important life skills through theater. And they take that with them, those skills, to a whole host of professions and things in their lives. So I don't think the primary goal of Deerfield Family Theater is to produce professional, you know, thespians. It's great when that may ultimately happen. I mean, like, our, one of our daughters happens to be one of those people, one of those people, but not every one of our uh, Deerfield Family Theater alums goes to Broadway and that's okay. <laughs> that's not necessarily the goal, but I think that if we can make a positive difference in young people's lives, that we've really achieved a great goal. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I always try to have some episode go back to that. So I'm really glad you know, that you brought that up, that there's there's so much to be gained from participating. Certainly, even as just an audience member, you know, you go, you laugh, you have fun. But for those who are who are thinking about getting involved, you know, with the theater, that um, there's you, you learn so much. And even all the things that you just said, I think also apply to those who aren't necessarily stepping out on stage. Right. Maybe you're in the pit, you know, maybe you're behind mm -hmm. the scenes. And I think you learn so many of those same lessons, too. Um, so it's, it's a really great opportunity to get involved and, and to, to have, you know, to learn those lessons at whatever stage of life you are, be it kid or, uh, or adult getting back into it and, and refining some of those skills. Um, but then to, to get back to, you know, to your life experience with that and, and how those skills serve, served you, you know, you and I, uh, shared a similar career path, albeit about, you know, decades apart of, uh, of pursuing, you know, law. In what ways did your experience mm -hmm. with theater um, sort of help you with your career path? 
Oh, I, I think it, it, it keeps my trial skills sharp for certain. Uh, you know, this day and age, us older trial lawyers don't get in the courtroom very often. It's just the way it is. Cases settle. Uh, alternative dispute mechanisms exist today in a more aggressive fashion or more common today than they were years ago. Uh, I have a lot of very complex litigated matters that don't necessarily all get tried in a court uh, uh, ultimately. Uh, so I find that being on my feet, uh, being in character, learning uh, lines, uh, interacting with other performers keeps my skills sharp. Uh, and, and even for what I have to do as a litigator where I'm arguing motions or giving appellate arguments in an appellate court, uh, I, I find that it continues to enhance my skills even today. And, you know, as we're recording this, I'm 58. Uh, so I, I, I find that it keeps me mentally sharp. And for what it's worth, uh, certainly the movement of the stage uh, and I have already told you, I, I don't label myself much of a dancer, but uh, I, I, there is there is movement involved <laughs> and certainly dance involved in a lot of the shows that I'm involved in. It's good for you. It's great exercise. Uh, it's exciting to be a part of these shows. And generally, it's just simply fun mm -hmm. uh, to to be able to connect with others that way. Uh, something else you brought up uh, earlier, which I love your perspective on, um, and some past guests have talked about this as well, uh, is sort of the impact that COVID had on uh, on just you know theater and, and arts in general, um, and what that experience was like, you know, from your perspective, and and you know what view, be it optimistic or pessimistic, that you have looking at mm -hmm. uh, coming out of the pandemic now, whether it's that whether the pandemic is over or we're now in an endemic. Uh, whatever that may be, the, the theaters are opening up again. And so just take us through your experience with, uh, you know, with how that impacted your life and your perspective on, on theater. Right. Well, so it's had a great impact on my life personally and on my family's life. For one, uh, as you, I've mentioned, theater is a big part of our lives with all the people that we're connected to. We know and have, uh, become supportive of within our theater community family, broader family. You know, if we're not in a show with them, they're in a different show or otherwise we'll go support them. And we're always, that's what we like to do. We're going to different shows all the time. And when all of that stopped, theaters went dark. And it was a very lonely time, very difficult time for my wife and I in particular. It was also obviously personally difficult for our daughter and son-in-law who couldn't work <laughs> and so many of their friends and people we genuinely care about who lost their livelihood temporarily. Uh, so certainly supporting theaters in any way possible is important. But it, it, that experience, to just take that away from society uh, for a reason that, you know, is really beyond everyone's actual control is just a daunting and sad 
situation. The positive thing is, is that as we are emerging in ways that uh, are hopefully getting better and better with time, is that we can start reconnecting with these experiences and hopefully in safe ways. We've learned that, you know, audiences are masked and people obviously with vaccination and the rest, that we can bring audiences back to the theater so that they can have these meaningful opportunities, experiences uh, as they did before. Uh, and with proper protocols in place, the performers can also help protect themselves and try to stay safe and stay healthy. What we're seeing, of course, in theaters, especially the professional theaters, is the rise and importance of the swing performers who are at the ready to come in and cover for those who have to go out. They were always important, but never more important than they are now. And I'm hopeful, certainly for a time like everyone is, that we're pandemic-free. But if we can't get there quickly, uh, as it doesn't appear that this is anything other than something that will continue a bit more in our f least near future, that at least we can do it in a way that theater does not have to go dark as it did in the earliest days of the pandemic. Right, right. And, and that's a new term that I've just learned, swing performers. Um... I mean, I, I, you know, you know about the uh, the understudies and stuff, but I'm not, I've not been so in it that much. That swing performers was a term that was commonplace to me. So hopefully, some of the listeners will learn about that too. It's like, um, um, I mean, the the amount of skill that somebody has to have though to be able to come in and fill in mm -hmm. in the event that somebody can't perform because they have COVID. That's uh, uh, that that's quite a an ability though. It is, and, and most swings uh, have to know multiple tracks. They'll call it a track. So they're learning multiple roles, not just one. You know, you've heard of somebody who might be an understudy, say, for a particular lead, but they might be in cast in a show. Uh, there are some performers who literally their job is they're a particular character, and then they understudy another role. There are other performers who are under, who are swings, who literally know multiple roles and can at a moment's effectively very short notice, day of, or even during a show, will have to step in and become one of multiple roles. It's a very challenging job to do. Incredibly hard work. And, and really, really important in the days of COVID for obvious reasons. Right. So uh, uh, now in, in the challenges of where we're at now in community theaters, it, you don't have the same luxuries of, of rehearsal time uh, in particular that you, you know, have, you know, and, and just in general, the, the whole logistics of theater like you do in professional theater. Um, it's hard to do double casting, say, in a, in a community theater, given the, the time allotted for rehearsals. Uh, it's just almost impossible or very impractical to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, I've, and I'll give you a, a very simple and interesting example. I was in a production, uh, I've been in Annie <laughs> um, twice, 
uh, one of which was at Deerfield Family Theater. Uh, and one of my Annie's had a double casting of Annie, that character. Uh, it was not the Deerfield Family Theater Annie. Uh, the the non-Deerfield Family Theater Annie production, which was double cast, required more rehearsal time simply because of the double casting of Annie. As you can imagine, the complexity of having to work in that other performer so that the cast could work through all of the scenes with Annie so that the other both performers had equal time to learn but there was another dynamic and an interesting one that I think your audience might find uh, of some value for part of our podcast today. So in that production of Annie, I played two roles. I played in act one. I was uh, the, uh, I was the cop uh, lieutenant uh, uh, who in the first scene uh, Lieutenant Ward, who in Act One is the is kind of giving Annie a hard time about the dog Sandy, and in Act Two I became uh, uh, President Roosevelt, and in so I had to do a lot of work with the trained live dog on stage. Well, the dog reacted very differently with one of the Annies versus the other Annie. And I had a very difficult time because I had to work with these scenes with a live animal. So there's the old adage that, you know, it's very challenging to work on stage with a child and an animal. And I had the challenge of both at the same time. So there's literally one scene in particular where it's just this character, Lieutenant Ward, that I was playing with a live dog and, and a child. So it's just like a total you know, could be fraught with disaster. And uh, we had to work and work and work and work and work those scenes in rehearsal a lot of extra times because we had two Annie's. And then we had challenges when we went live in performance because the dog just reacted differently to one Annie versus the other. So the moral of the story is uh, uh, don't be Lieutenant Ward in uh, in Annie. <laughs> is take on any take on any other role, any other role, and you'll be a okay. <laughs> uh, yes, or be in a production of Annie like DFT that didn't double cast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so j just uh, uh, just a few wrap up questions here, just so the audience get to know you a little bit better as a, as an audience member. Uh, when you go yep. and you consume theater, uh, what what have been some of you know? You know, I'm not going to make you pick your favorite, but what has may, maybe been some All of right. your favorite performances that you've been to? Be they DFT productions or Broadway, you know, in that range, uh, or even your kids in high school, you know, or something like that. Like, what have been some of the favorite shows mm -hmm. that you've gone to see? Yeah, so I'm I'm very fortunate in that I get to see a lot of theater, and I see exceptional theater and we are fortunate I, I say for our, our certainly our podcast listeners many are in the Chicagoland area but some are obviously nationwide Chicagoland area is a vibrant theater experience and we are blessed 
but certainly I, I get to New York a great deal. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law live in New York, and I have office there, and I, I'm, I'm there for business a great deal. So I get to see a lot of Broadway. Uh, so I see a lot of stuff. Uh, I like uh, the opportunity, if I can, to see uh, the original cast of a show. It's not always possible. And I want to share an interesting experience. Uh, I was once accused of being somewhat of a theater snob because I'm a really fortunate person and I accept that. It's very, very expensive to go to an original cast show on Broadway. You know, not everyone can do that. So I accept that. So I, I realize I'm very fortunate. So I'm going to take an example of a recent show that I'm really, really fond of that won the Tony for Best Musical uh, uh, 2019, uh, is it 2019 or 2020, would be Town. Uh, absolutely adore Town. Phenomenal show. Saw the original cast of Town. I was so enamored with how unique and special it was just like I saw the original cast of Hamilton. And I was so overwhelmed by the experience that I thought, I'm not sure how this will tour. That when it goes to a national tour and they put it in another city, could I even enjoy it? Because I've seen these amazing performers who did the original production of it. And everything would be downhill from that. And I'm really pleased to tell you that I, of course, seen Hamilton more, I've lost count. Uh, and I've obviously seen it more times without the original cast than I have seen Hamilton with the original cast. And I'm really pleased to say that Hamilton is such great art that it works well with tremendously uh, talented performers that aren't all the original performers whenever you see it. Same with Hadestown. The touring company that came through on the first national tour that stopped in Chicago and elsewhere across the U.S. certainly was not filled with the original cast from Broadway. But boy, were they fantastic. What an incredibly exciting theatrical experience. And it was also exciting because it was one of my first experiences post-COVID back into a big house theater in the Chicago area. Uh, what a thrill. What a thrill to see a show that I just absolutely adored and to be able to know that I, I wasn't disappointed by the experience either and to be back in the theater just in general because of what was going on in the pandemic well uh ladies and gentlemen your enjoyment of art is subjective and we all know that but you heard it here first larry mason says objectively good art hamilton and hadestown and i have to agree with you on hamilton uh but i haven't seen hadestown yet but after that i'm gonna have to uh so larry thanks so much for coming on the show uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the DFT podcast. 
so, Larry, if anyone uh, was just super intrigued and wants to hear more stories about uh, theater in uh, Deerfield Family Theater or what it's like to have known uh, Kevin McCollum, uh, where could they reach out to you? Uh, you could reach me at my personal email, lmason1 at gmail.com. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Matt. And that's our show. Visit DeerfieldFamilyTheater.com for open production staff positions and audition information. There's an audition workshop taking place Saturday, July 30th at 1 p.m. at Jewett Park. As always, links are in the show notes. Please share this podcast to help support the work of Deerfield Family Theater. If you enjoyed this episode, give us the highest rating you can and leave us a review, both of which really help others discover the show. If you'd like to get in touch, send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash dft. We might even add your voice message to a future show. Until next time, thanks to everyone who continues to support the arts. We'll see you at the theater.